Good evening, and welcome to tonight's edition of The Mary Trump Show. It is another Ask Me Anything Within Reason. Um, between the State of the Union, uh, particularly the Republicans' response to it, and a lot of uh, things that have been going on down in Florida, etc. A lot of you have, have had, a, we've had a lot of questions coming in, so I thought, you know, I'll, uh, I'll do another one of these again, also because I like it. I like, I like hearing from you guys. I like answering your questions. Um, I just want to start briefly by talking about something that's uh, going on. Um, as you know, if you watched our live stream of the State of the Union, I thought it was extraordinary. I thought President Biden gave the best State of the Union address in modern American history. Um, and uh probably the best speech of his lifetime and one of the best top five best speeches i've ever heard you know uh that having been said of course it isn't perfect nothing is ever perfect there are always things that you wish the person giving the speech would say that they don't say or you wish there are things that they would emphasize more uh so the two the two glaring omissions or the two things that got slighted uh were the fact that Florida is is literally being turned into a closed fascist state by Ron DeSantis. Uh, I, I think the Democrats really need to start calling out the book banning and the erasure of African-American studies, the treatment of especially transgender youth, but the entire LGBTQ plus community, uh, how private businesses are being punished by the government fascism <laughs> you know um they really need to be calling out this stuff um and the way desantis and and other governors like abbott and youngkin are are trying to make schools and things like parental choice and education a centerpiece of their 2024 campaigns because as we saw in virginia with youngkin that works really well on on terrified white people so we need to head that off at the past and the other thing that i really had hoped president biden would would go very hard after was um the supreme court now he did talk about making um roe v wade the loved land and codifying it sorry uh having uh congress codify it however um the problem is the supreme court the problem is the the judiciary uh the right-wing radical judiciary that was put in place um especially by donald but uh also uh, uh well actually every republican since uh reagan um so the reason i bring this up now is because we just heard that a judge out of armorillo texas who was of course appointed by donald trump is on the brink of making mephistoprone, which is um, a medication used for many things, but also as an abortifacient, um, making it illegal nationally. And if he does indeed do that, the Supreme Court, I'm assuming it would be um, appealed to the Supreme Court, and we know what this Supreme Court will do. They will uphold that ruling. So that means even if you live in California or you live in New York or you live in Massachusetts, you or your spouse or your 
children will not have access to what has for decades been a perfectly safe and legal um, medication. So I, I just wanted a sort of a public service announcement. Please, if, if you are of childbearing age, stock up. Okay, because I I don't trust the judiciary, and I'm just hoping I keep hoping that something will be enough for uh, President Biden, his administration, and Democrats to to take seriously the idea of court reform. We need to increase expand the Supreme Court to at least thirteen to nullify the extremist supermajority, the Christo fascist supermajority that currently exists on this court. I mean, they're taking a sledgehammer to voting rights should have been enough of a, you know, red flag, but apparently not. Um, anyway, just wanted to start with that. Stock up on Mephistoprone if you need it. Um, or if you, you in the future, think that you would perhaps have, have use of it. Okay, so I'm going to get to your questions. Uh, let's see. From Greg in Portland, Oregon. Did President Biden seal the deal on the Democratic nomination after his speech this week? Yes. Let me expand because that's not a particularly interesting answer. Um, I have to be honest. I find the fact that it's even been questioned before this really disappointing. <laughs> you know, um, the last thing Democrats should be doing right now is questioning their party leader, especially given the fact that President Biden has the best first two year record of any. I think I, I could be wrong, but of any president. In modern history, especially given the hand he was dealt, think about what he came into office having to confront. An economic crisis, a massive health health crisis. Remember the, the month he came into office, January 2021, upwards of 5,000 Americans were dying every day from COVID. I mean, it's still far too many people are still dying. You know, it's 400, 500 a day, but 5,000 Americans a, a day were dying the month of Joe Biden's inauguration. That's insane. Plus, of course, as, as we knew uh, after the 2020 election with the big lie beginning to spread and be quietly or loudly um supported by the Republican Party. And of course, after the events of January 6th, the, the insurrection against our government, he was also dealing with a massive and terrifying crisis of democracy. So, you know, so far we've been dodging a bullet. Um, but the fact that Democrats are have been kind of wondering, is he too old? Is this going to it's it's been maddening to me. You know, we have columnists writing about it as if there aren't more important things going on right now. <laughs> okay, so I was always shocked if you know people ask me the question, "Do you think Biden should run?" And my answer was always, "If President Biden runs, I will support him one hundred percent." That's it. So I think the speech did um, a tremendous job of. Uh, quieting the naysayers and removing all doubts as to um, 
his ability to handle the job, his ability to think on his feet. You know, people say all the time, well, 80 is old. He's going to be 82. Listen, theoretically, I don't, I think that president should be younger. Okay. But there's no reason he is president now. People voted for him knowing how old he was. They, unless they thought that he was going to get younger in office. I don't think that's a thing that could happen. So it's like, it's, if anybody's shocked that he's now two years older than he was when they voted for him, I, they don't understand how time works, apparently. And I know COVID has, has definitely created some de temporal dislocation for a lot of us, but still, time only goes in one direction. So, um, and the other thing about it, it's like presidents don't have to run marathons every day. I know it's an extraordinarily stressful, demanding job. Absolutely. But, you know, he's not he, he's not training for the Olympics. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, yeah, Greg, I think that um, one of the greatest ancillary benefits of that speech was dismissing all doubts about not just whether he should run, but if he's fit to run. So. Thank you, President Biden. From Cara in Las Vegas, Nevada. How can Republicans kick Rep Representative Ilhan Omar off committees and allow Marjorie Taylor Greene on them? Is there any way to stop them? I'll start with your second question first. There's no way to stop them. Sadly, they're, they are in the majority in the House. And uh, since the House is actually a Democratic institution and doesn't have a filibuster, majority rules, even if it's only a four-seat majority. Um, so there's nothing we can do. Um, and I'll, just to kind of add a little bit of salt into the wound, we found out, I just saw this today, that Democrats lost the House by 6,600 votes. <laughs> ah! So, and, and the other thing that's just I, I I haven't crunched these numbers, but I will just because I'm curious. Um, I'm I'm guessing that uh, <laughs> you know all of those votes were in New York because the whole gerrymandered thing went went horribly awry. Um, as your first question, how can they? Well, they have no shame, and they don't care about hypocrisy, so. The fact that Marjorie Taylor Greene is an actual anti-Semite, you know, she she traffics in anti-Semitic tropes all the time. She speaks at gatherings hosted by actual Nazis. Okay, Representative Omar said uh, used an anti-Semitic stereotype. This was a few years ago now, and apologize for it. I'm not excusing it, but she owned it. She apologized for it. And has she was reprimanded by Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and hopefully learned from it. Marjorie Taylor Greene was taken off committees by Nancy Pelosi because of her virulent and sustained anti-Semitism because she was calling for her colleagues, including Nancy Pelosi, 
to have violence committed against them. And Kevin McCarthy put her on committees for the same reasons. <laughs> so there you have in a nutshell sort of the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans and the greatest speaker of the House in American history, Nancy Pelosi, and one of the biggest losers in the history of American politics, Kevin McCarthy. From Jessica in Billings, Montana, are we losing our chance to prosecute Donald before the 2024 election heats up? Well, Mayor Garland certainly is. <laughs> you know, um, I've mentioned this a lot, but uh, Robert Mueller in his report uh, made it very clear that if Donald had not been in the Oval Office, he could have been indicted on ten, nine or 10 charges of obstruction of justice. He literally wrote a roadmap for whoever the next attorney general was going to be, assuming Donald was no longer in office. And I think for seven out of 10 of those, um, the statutes of limitation have passed. So that's, that's disturbing. So now we're hanging everything now on January 6th, his involvement in January 6th and the Mar-a-Lago documents case. Thankfully, Jack Smith is in charge of both of those and Merrick Garland I shouldn't have anything to do with him. I mean, I, I assume he doesn't. That's why he hired a special prosecutor. Um, and I think that uh, of the two, the documents case is the easier one because the intent is so clear. But I've been thinking the same thing about the Fulton County case of election interference because we, you know, people say, well, you know, there's a smoking gun. We have him on tape. It's like, that's not a smoking gun. That's actually seeing him pull the trigger of a loaded gun, you know? Uh, and yet we still don't know if there are going to be indictments down there. So I, I, I swear, uh, Jessica, I certainly hope um, I can't give up hope yet because that would just be too depressing. So um, there's still time. Let's put it that way. I think we have um, at least until early 2024 before we get too close to the election. I think the benchmark is usually 60 days out, but given the stakes, they'll probably put a little bit of cushion there. Um, I don't know. Um all I can say is Merrick Garland hasn't been doing us any favors. He appoint just by pretending or, or giving the um, impression that Biden's document case was even in the same universe as Donald's document case by appointing a special prosecutor to look into President Biden. And yet Mike Pence did exactly the same thing, as far as I can tell, as Joe Biden. And I uh, there's no special prosecutor being anyway garland's a disaster um i hope he does something right and maybe the thing he did right was appointing jack smith here's hoping um from brian in santa barbara california with ai putting the future of white collar jobs and homework into question is this the time to kick off universal basic income Unfortunately, I don't really know what the first part of that means. Um, I mean, I know what AI is, artificial intelligence, but um, I, I'm not really sure 
how they would be putting white collar jobs into question um, unless Spynet is going to take over the world. But what I can say is I've always believed in universal, universal basic income. The fact that there is this oxymoron called the working poor in America, the richest country on the planet, is has always been despicable to me. Um, the fact that one 40-an-hour job uh, can pay so little that somebody needs to work two or three jobs I mean, if you, if somebody needs you to do a job, they should pay you a living wage. And if they're not paying you a living wage, well, that's a problem with the system. But something needs to be done to supplement that income. And it shouldn't require a human being to work 80 hours a week. So, yeah, I'm, I've, I've always been for that. Um, I think it would be game-changing. From Isla, hope I'm pronouncing that right, in Boston, Massachusetts, radical action on many fronts is needed. So was Biden too focused on bread and butter issues in the State of the Union? You know, I don't think he was too focused. I think it's very important, especially with the media failing us so, so often. It's very important for Joe Biden and the Democratic Party to tout his successes. I, I mean, they need to be shouted from the rooftops. And in the course of the speech, one thing that struck me was how a lot of the things he mentioned like never would have occurred to me, um, which is very self-absorbed, I suppose. Uh, but, you know, because I guess they don't directly affect me or I, I just didn't. I, because like you, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, my God, uh, this person needs to be indicted. Uh, democracy is on a knife's edge. Women um, and pregnant people are losing a... a a fundamental constitutional right that's been on the books for half a century. Um, the Voting Rights Act is, is has been completely, almost entirely dismantled, right? Uh, so, you, you know, that's the stuff that, that, that freaks me out. But Americans need to be reminded which party has, has their backs and which party is trying it's best despite tremendous opposition to make their lives better. Um, you know, by, by making health insurance more affordable and accessible and um, doing things that are going to make the environment better and creating jobs. And um, I, I wish I had it in front of me, but I did, I had a list of all the, the, the bread and butter kitchen table issues that he mentioned that I just like wasn't even, wasn't even thinking about so that doesn't mean that he shouldn't also do the other thing and he did that just as you know as i mentioned but when i started not as forcefully as i would like but this is joe biden we're talking about right he's not going to become a firebrand that having been said i thought the way he responded to the disgraceful disrespectful behavior of the republicans was absolutely brilliant. He just took them on. It was like watching an Aikido master. He did it with a smile and a wink. He got, you know, he, he raised his voice when necessary, as one must sometimes when dealing with unruly toddlers. But he, 
kind of did it from this spirit of we're all in this together by partisanship, but you know, I'm not going to let you get away with it. So I think we need to take him for who he is and understand that he will go so far and maybe no further, but remember, uh, in probably the second best speech he ever gave in his life uh, before the 2022 midterms, uh, he did use the word semi-fascist. And again, my comment on that was he was half right. <laughs> That's a huge, for Joe Biden to use the word fascism in the same ballpark with a conversation about Republicans was quite something. So, you know, um, I think we need both. And I think he's doing the one thing uh, better than most people can, the bread and butter stuff. And he's doing the other thing, um, the bigger picture stuff, in in a way that works for him. Um, and for all, listen, it might, it might work for most Americans too. You know? Um, so I, whatever the case, it was effective. From Rick in San Francisco, California, with SCOTUS wives corrupting the institution, SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, not to mention certain justices, is it worth using time and political capital to expand the court to dilute their influence? Yes, I, I just said that that's absolutely what uh, needs to happen. Um, it needs to be, and it needs, you know, the Democrats need to explain why they would be expanding the court. Um, and part of what drives me crazy is that at least two of these justices are on that court illegitimately. I would argue that three of them are. So um, this is not something to be polite about. I It just makes me crazy when it's like, oh, well, you know, they're on the court already. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? If you can't impeach them, which would never happen, you need to do exactly as you said dilute their influence i'm i'm all for actually eradicating their influence put enough justices on the court so that six seat majority becomes a six seat minority as for the wives uh it is yet another so far it is another example of how um there is not equal justice under the law in the united states of america i know that comes as a shock to many people but it's true. The fact that Ginny Thomas hasn't been indicted for anything is mind-blowing to me. Um, and both she uh, or, or that she or any of um, the other justices' wives weren't questioned of over the Dobbs, the leak of the Dobbs decision. The fact that John Roberts's wife is cl clearly um, engaged in corrupt practices using her connection to the court. Uh, so I, I don't know why. Well, I do. I understand why there isn't an appetite for that kind of thing, but it's inexcusable. It's just inexcusable. From Santana in Phoenix, Arizona. Did President Biden handle the Chinese spy balloon correctly? And should we feel threatened? Yeah, he did. I, I mean, 
the Republicans handled it terribly. I mean, it was just, you know, all they all they can do is fear monger and cut taxes on rich people. It's it's really it's getting so old. Like, I just can't believe that people listen to them anymore. Um, you know, all you needed to do. And uh, if you did listen to Sarah Huckabee Sanders rebuttal to the State of the Union, I'm I feel very sorry for you. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But I heard enough to realize that all they can do is traffic in doom and gloom and, uh, you know, the woke liberals are out to get you and all that bullshit. Um, so, of course, the Republicans come out swinging, knowing nothing. And and in the meantime, we find out that at least three Chinese spy balloons flew over the country while Donald was in the Oval Office. They have nothing to say about that. I mean, what was he going to do? Either lie that it didn't happen, shoot it down over populated areas and risk getting Americans killed? This way, he waited until it was over open water. They shot it down. They retrieved it. They have the technology and nobody was hurt. I don't remember, this thing was 60,000 feet in the air. It was uh, over 10 miles. And you have idiots like, what's his name? J.D. Vance sitting on lawn chairs, pointing their little rifles at the sky. <laughs> For those of you who don't know much about firearms, there is no firearm on this. Uh, well, I don't. maybe that isn't true. But there's no firearm that most people own can own that has a range of 10 miles it's just like the stupidest thing uh and of course there was a briefing today and even though most of the republicans lied about what happened mitt romney came out and he's like yeah president biden did exactly what he needed to do what can i tell you <laughs> so there you go um Sorry, I just want to make sure I'm not repeating myself. From Jane in Denver, Colorado, President Biden looks set to end the COVID emergency declaration in a matter of months. Is it safe to do so? Will it help broaden his appeal politically or just make people worry all over again? You know, this is one of the few areas in which I, I totally disagree with the Biden administration. I am not a huge fan of how they've handled COVID in the last year. Um, I mean, obviously in 2021, they were, they did a Herculean job of uh, getting shots in arms, as I said, and getting people tests and all that. But uh, I, I kind of worry that they've given into COVID fatigue and the fact that people are sick of it. Well, guess what guys? Uh, too bad. It's still a thing. Yes, there, there's improvement. But as I said earlier, you know, between four and 500 Americans are still dying every day. And, you know, what's, um, I, I don't know if the numbers have changed recently in terms of percentages of deaths, but a couple of months ago in the New York Times, there was a report saying that the majority of those deaths were among the vaccinated. So because I, I, I literally just saw that before we were doing the show, I didn't read enough to understand that they meant people who got the first shot or two, but 
you know, weren't keeping up with their boosters. So those aren't vaccinated people. For example, if you get a flu shot in 2022, when the next flu season rolls around in 2023, are you vaccinated? No, you have to get another shot. So it's the same thing with COVID. You can't, uh, because so many people didn't get vaccinated because we didn't get eradicated when we had a chance. It's now in our ecosystem and it continues to mutate and it continues to be something against which we need to vaccinate ourselves, just like the flu. So um, I think, yeah, I think it's a mistake. I think it, one of the biggest problems is it cuts all sorts of necessary funding for getting tests, for getting people vaccinated. And it's not over too. I mean, that's, I, I don't know what the CDC is doing supposed to stand for the Centers for Disease Control. Uh, so I, I worry that is it's a capitulation, but uh, I don't know. Um, hopefully they, they know more about it than I do. Um, okay, this is going to be the last question tonight, I think, um, from Nikki in Austin, Texas. Donald puts off giant swaths of voters. Yes, he does. Now that we're seeing the GOP rivals start to come together, would you rather have him run or do any of the prospective field worry, do any of the prospective field worry you more? <laughs> um, well, I think there are people who were theoretically more dangerous. Like I think Ron DeSantis is an ideologue uh, and, and a fascist. And Donald is going to do whatever he thinks works for him, right? And if that's being a fascist, so be it. So he's shown that, but he's not an ideologue and he's not very bright and um, he I don't know. I mean there's something particularly and again, I don't I don't want to make it sound like Donald's good. <laughs> like It's not like that. It's just I think Donald DeSantis under the right circumstances is potentially more dangerous. However, Donald has a kind of charisma that nobody else in the GOP field that I know of has. So that makes him more dangerous because he's more viable as a candidate. So what I want to see, I want to see him run, but I also want to see other people run. And I want to see him destroy them and himself in the process. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. Also, I think now in 2015, 2016, people didn't understand that rule. there were no rules anymore. Only Donald understood that. So no, none of the 16 other Republican candidates could figure out how to attack him because they thought it would be rude or something to attack him the same way he attacks them. The new round of Republican candidates won't have that problem. I think that the, the gloves will be off. We've already seen it. Donald has already implied that Ron DeSantis grooms young girls. I mean, nothing is off the table. So my favorite scenario is that uh, <laughs> makes me giddy uh, is that Donald will 
figure out that there's a good chance he won't get the nomination. And instead of taking his toys and going home, he'll run as a third party candidate. And that, and still try to destroy the Republicans in the process. That would be, we would run out of champagne. We would run out of beer. We would run out of popcorn. It will just be off the charts. So all of that having been said, uh, it's still, it's, it's just a terrible, it's still a terrible uh, scenario either way, because all these people do is tear at the fabric of our democracy and mainstream ideas that should be as far away from the political debate as possible. You know, things like book burning and being against CRT and, and um, don't say gay and all of those other horrible, repressive, regressive things that fascists like DeSantis keep coming up with. So good or bad, it's going to be fascinating. All right. Um, that is it for tonight. Uh, thank you so much for your questions. You guys are awesome. Uh, I had a really good time um, answering, answering your questions. And we will be back tomorrow for House of Horrors. Um, with a special guest, it, he's not completely confirmed yet, so I'm not going to tell you who it is, but Kurt Bardella will be here with me for sure. So we'll have at least that awesome nerd there. And uh, that's at 12 o'clock Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific at youtube.com slash Politicon. And of course, we'll be back next tuesday with the nerd avengers also 12 o'clock eastern 9 a.m pacific at youtube.com slash politicon and then i'm off next tuesday sorry next thursday um i have a crazy week i've got a bunch of very annoying things to deal with so uh, i've got to i've got to take a few days uh to get some things in order but um I will be putting out quick hits at least uh, to keep my hand in things. And um, we'll be back to our regular schedule the following week, which I think is the week of the 18th. I think. I'm not entirely sure. Anyway, um, if you go to Politicon's YouTube page, you can like the episode. You can put a comment there if you didn't get to see it, the episode live. And you can click on the bell which I think is there. Uh, if you subscribe, click on that and subscribe, you will be alerted every time a new video drops. And of course, you can listen to all of the shows on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And a five-star review would be very much appreciated because it really does help other people find the show. Uh, and that is it. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, stay safe and be kind. Thank mm -hmm. you.